What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carrots Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Friday, September 15th. The 49ers are heading to LA for the first of their two home openers. I can't stop making those kinds of jokes. But joining me today for a deep dive on the 49ers Rams matchup is Lori Fitzpatrick. Lori, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, uh, you know, I'm ready for week two. It's exciting to, you know, get back into the the, the swing of things. So, I mean, dude, I'm I'm really psyched for this matchup because I wasn't expecting the Rams to like beat the Seahawks ass, but they did. So me either, me either. I think it was a little bit of like the Seahawks playing terribly. Maybe they're not as good as people thought they were. Uh, but maybe the Rams also not as bad as people thought they would be either. Um, and if you you didn't understand my little joke about the two home openers, it's because, you know, 49er fans always take over SoFi Stadium. So, <laughs> let, let, Well, let me just say, you, you guys have been around like a really long time. So there's a lot of fans too. Like you guys yeah. have like, I, I know at least like a dozen 49ers fans like from Philly. Like from like Jersey and the Philly area, you guys travel well, like you have a ton of fans. It's just like the generations of fans, like, you know, their kids and their kids and their kids are all you guys, uh, you know, represent. It's facts. This is facts. Uh, They do travel well. We saw that even in week one. And so week two is about to be crazy. Let's just do a quick uh, weather check. The weather is supposed to be great. And I got one more uh, joke. Uh, Sunny with a chance of many 49er fans showing up. So uh, Vivid Seats projects as of right. And this was like, what, two days ago or a day Yesterday, I think. Yesterday morning, Vivid Seats said that it was 64% 49er fans. That's what they projected, and 36% Rams fans. Um, As it gets closer to the game, I would expect that number to move even more towards 49er fans' uh, favor. And so, yeah, I'm I'm definitely expecting there to be uh, a lot of 49er fans. It's basically going to be a home game. Like, I I hate to say it, but I do love to say it, so... (laughs) But let's uh let's get into this game. Uh, as far as the injury report goes for both of these teams, uh, the only player who is out this week is Samuel Womack with an MCL injury. He suffered that injury in practice uh, at the end of Wednesday's practice, and he was placed on IR today. Um, per Kyle Shanahan, he's expected to miss six to eight weeks. That actually, um, you know, kind of blows a little bit because Womack. While not a starter, he was playing some special teams. He played 17 snaps on special teams last week. He's one of the gunners. He's made, you know, several nice plays on special teams um, in the last year or so. So I think that one hurts a bit. And also with the uncertainty at the nickel position, I know a lot of people, anytime you say Isaiah Oliver and Ambry Thomas are struggling, they're like, what about Womack? What about Womack? Put Womack in there. Well, yeah, we're not going to see that anytime soon, unfortunately. Um, but as far as the Rams goes and their uh, questionable designations for this game, you got wide receiver Puka Nakua, who we'll talk about plenty today. Um, center Coleman Shelton, linebacker Ernest Jones, and their safety Russ Yeast. But as I understand it, it seems like all of those players are on the good side of questionable and they're all expected to suit up on Sunday. So let's get into this matchup. All right, and and let's start with the worrisome matchups first. 
I want to make sure that, you know, we end the show on a high note, on a positive note. We'll save the favorable matchups for last, uh, but the worrisome matchups. And I said we would talk about Puka Nakua. Um, we're going to just start with him right off the bat. He's the Rams rookie wide receiver. I really liked him coming out of BYU. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, both me and Lori. Uh, he was at the Combine as well. Uh, and last week, he had 15 targets. That was nearly a 40% target share uh, in week one. His 10 catches tied for second in the NFL in week one. His 119 yards was tied for fourth. And all of those marks led the team against the Seahawks. Um, he was also 13th in yards after the catch. And he had a first down rate of over 60%. Um, only one of five receivers who did that for their teams in week one. So he was definitely an outlet for Matthew Stafford in that game against the Seahawks. He was looking for him everywhere. Clearly Stafford trusts him. He was a huge part of the offense right out of the gate. And as we mentioned, he is questionable, but he is expected to play in this game. Um, I think he came, he came right out of the bat. Like, um, like you're saying Stafford trusted him. And I think it's all because of his hands. This guy has like, I don't know if the, he has some version of stick on that nobody knows about because this guy catches like everything. Um, but I would say like his, his, one of his best, um, attributes, if you want to call it that would be like his route running. And you saw it at the senior yeah. bowl, man. Like every single time he came off the line, he, he was juking that corner. So he gets open, uh, like immediately straight off the line. He's not like a tough guy. Well, okay. Let me, let me stop. He is tough. Like he can take hits. Um, yeah. but like he's, he's obviously not a guy that is used to taking a lot of hits. And he even mentioned that in the post game after, after last week, when uh when he had like his rib pad like his rib guard yeah that they wear underneath the shoulder pads it was like stuck to like his ribs and his ribs were hurting obviously that's why he's questionable for this week so he's getting if he doesn't like getting beat up against the Seahawks he's definitely not going to enjoy this weekend's game that's a that's a really good point actually and he's already going into this game with that oblique injury right like so he's already a little banged up uh and yeah, I, he is tough because I did see at least like two plays where he laid out for the ball and he just fell like flat on his face like he was really going for it. But here's my worry when it comes to Nakua. The Rams uh, moved him around. Uh, as you can see in this tweet, uh, 21 snaps out of the slot, 42 out wide. And when he was lined up outside, he pretty much split his time between the left and the right. So I think like the Rams will probably put him in spots and in, in favorable matchups in this game. For example, like he might, the Rams might avoid putting him on Charverius Ward's side, for example, just because, you know, Ward is so good. Maybe some of the other matchups against Ambry Thomas, against maybe. Uh, Lenore in the slot, or maybe it's Oliver in the slot. Who freaking knows? Uh, maybe they like that matchup a little bit more. And so, yeah, as we know, the 49ers have question marks when it comes to their nickel spot, or I guess like between Ambry Thomas and Isaiah Oliver. Steve Wilkes plays his defense in nickel 85% of the time, uh, or he did on Sunday. So, does this team trust Ambry Thomas to roll him out there again and have him play on the outside uh, in those nickel situations? Here's what Steve Wilkes said about Ambry Thomas. Quote, 
I thought he played well. I thought he did some good things. I'm not all about the production and guys look for the stats and whatnot. I look for guys executing and doing their job, working their technique based off the call and the situation. And I thought within the defense, he did that. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because it seems like there's some him and Kyle Shanahan, I don't know if they're on the same page about this because Kyle Shanahan earlier in the week said this about Ambry Thomas and why he left the game and, and they put in Isaiah Oliver later. He said, things dictate the change. We thought they'd all play in the game, but stuff happened in the game that had us adjust. Uh, someone asked such as, and Kyle said, stuff that's between me and our team, just watch the film. You might be able to figure it out. I, I, yeah, I feel like if a coach tells you to watch the film, it's because there's something there that, yeah, I I would just assume that maybe he wasn't very happy with the way Ambry Thomas played um, in that game, but it seems like Steve Wilkes at least has a lot of belief in him. So I really don't know who they're going to put out there uh, (laughs) in this game. If I had to guess though, I think I'd say, we probably see them start the same way as week one, which was Lenore in the slot and Ambry Thomas outside opposite Charverius Ward. Wow, what a quote. Man, you're going to have to ask me about that next week because now I really want to turn on the um, the All-22. And you're like, I really can find it. Now. Yeah, man, now it's just like I really want to see – what it is and I want to try to figure it out because obviously something was going on I don't know it could be you know something about uh, you know switches or you know you don't want blown coverages so maybe right. it's had something to do do with that um yeah that that's a uh, that's interesting and those are the things you don't see on the broadcast cornerbacks like ever um right. so like all 22 is the only place you would be able to see that um but uh but about the stats about the the first quote um, the best thing about cornerbacks is if they're not in the stat sheet, that ju- usually means they're doing a good job. Um, so I I have to sign back up for PFF Plus um, <laughs> to see what his quarterback rating like against is, because um, that's really the only stat that like I really look at like in terms yeah. of corners um, is to see what the quarterback rating is when they throw to his direction. So yeah, and that's fair. I I could pull it up really quickly. Uh, for Ambry Thomas I know his overall grade was 62.3 yeah he allowed 88.9 so that's the quarterback rate 88 I yeah I mean that's like you know that's not bad at least it's not 100 like you know I see number one corners when they're you know not maybe not number one but like you know like really important corners that are allowing like 100 um, you know passer rating so you know, it, it could be, obviously it could be better. Um, so I'm going to have to look into that. Yeah. And I, I would look into the end of the half and, and Technic Sheik uh, said this, I'm wondering if it was towards the end of the half with the Steelers hurry up offense. seemed like Ambry gave up a few easy catches in a row. I do feel like, uh, I think Kyle did somewhat allude to this, uh, maybe at some other point in, in that presser, but yeah, I would look at that one as, as being, uh, maybe the turning point for Ambry and, and why they maybe decided to pull him. But you know, yeah, you know, one, sorry. One thing coaches hate the most 
are not mental mistakes, but they're physical mistakes. So like if you're lazy to get to the line and you're slow and you're getting up slow and like you're kind of like, you know, just the last day's goal type of body language, that's something that's going to make Kyle say something. Because if it's just like something yeah, where like Kyle. you're not sure about your job, then that's different. That's like more on the coaches. But if, if you're calling on a player, it's definitely something to do with like, you know, his, his like willingness to be like right there, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. So uh, get back to me. Uh, check out, you know, Ambry and the All-22. Okay. And and, and I, I'm curious to, to see what you think. Um, but the other guy on this Rams offense that, you know, was kind of featured in week one was Tutu Atwell. Uh, and he's a speedster who has the potential, I think, to burn anybody on this 49ers defense if they aren't careful, right? He ran a 4.39 uh you know, coming out of the draft and apologies because I did misspeak on Wednesday and I said he was a rookie. He's actually a third year player. Hard to keep track of who's a rookie or not on this uh, Rams team. They're all pretty young. Uh, But the only thing I think that may protect the 49ers in this case is the fact that they do run a lot of two high looks. His uh, first read share against two high looks was 25% compared to Nakua's 65%. Uh, ultimately, I think that stopping both of these guys probably comes down to stopping the quarterback first, right? And I think like both, uh, like Kyle Shanahan, Steve Wilkes uh, mentioned that as well. And so I think that would start with the trenches. More about that in a bit, but I want to talk about, uh, you know, just the offensive line real quick, the 49ers offensive line, because I to me that's like one of the other uh, matchups that – is a little bit iffy for me. Uh, what you're looking at now for the YouTube viewers here, the 49ers offensive line ranked 24th in aggregated pass protection rating. Uh, and I think this rating is probably aided by the right side of the 49ers offensive line and how they struggled against TJ Watt last week. Um, as we've been been mentioning all week things aren't going to really get any easier for them in week two especially for Spencer Burford who will probably see the most of Donald but depending on stunts like even Jake Brendel and Colton McKivitz will probably see him at one point or another as well um and so obviously we know how disruptive Aaron Donald can be. He had a sack last week against the Seahawks uh to go along with his five pressures two tackles and two stops and against the 49ers in his career, he's had 12 and a half sacks uh, with 10 and a half sacks since Kyle Shanahan became the coach in 2017. And so the last time he's had a sack against the 49ers though, was November of 2020. So 49ers offensive line has had some success against him. Yeah. um, You know, but I'm not going to lie. I'm a little worried. Um, you know, especially about the the rights, the the right side, yeah, the right side of the offensive line is just like, you know, in total they they let up you know nine pressures and eight sacks, and it's just that's a lot. Um, so and and now you're going to be going against the you know arguably the best uh, defensive lineman in the NFL, and what's so um you know worrisome about going against Aaron Donald is his ability to to move on that defensive line. So he's just going to line up. He, he wants to line up on the outside, he will. You know, if he wants to line up on the inside, he's pretty much going to 
target the the worst players. So. Yeah, what, watch out, Colton McKivitz, because that the worst player could be you. But no, I think like if I'm the Rams, like I'm liking the matchup against Spencer Burford. Uh, last year when they played the Rams, they rotated Burford out in favor of Daniel Brunskill, who was like for some reason Aaron Donald's kryptonite, but he's no longer with the team. So Burford is going to have to figure it out this time. And if he doesn't, it might hurt the performance of those next to him. You know, Brendel and McKivitz as a result, which would in turn, you know, hurt the offense as a whole. Right. So I do expect the 49ers to make adjustments if needed. You know, they they've gone against Aaron Donald so many times at this point that I think they kind of somewhat know what to expect. Uh, and so I think they're going to give a lot of help on that right side of the line. Maybe Kyle Juszczyk, maybe a lot of George Kittle. Uh, so. I, I feel overall, I think, optimistic about it, even though I am just kind of uh, a little uneasy. Yeah, I mean, if, you know, if we're looking at, um, you know, time to throw, um, I believe, I believe Purdy was like 10th or 11th, uh, like quickest, which is pretty much halfway. Um, and so, you know, you want to get it out quick in order to avoid Aaron Donald. Um, But the only issue is that zone defense, you know, and it's going to take some time for those windows to get open. And I saw a lot last week, the 49ers were running um, like a lot of dagger concepts to open up like the middle of the field. So the dagger is like when one guy goes up and then the other guy cuts underneath of him, it's kind of like a screen in a way. And then right underneath that guy is going to be open because that defender runs up with the guy that runs straight. So, you know, that takes time. You can't just like get it out as quick as you want. Um, So, you know, they're going to have to rely on that right side of the line to at least hold them for a little bit of time. Um, And looking at the time to throw, you know, Purdy was kind of getting it out, you know, pretty quick. So, um, yeah, it's just going to be up to, you know, how long they can hold them. I agree. I, I think I that's why I am hopeful because despite the right side maybe not having the greatest game and TJ Watt having his three sacks, like the offense as a whole was still able to produce. And it seemed for the most part they were avoiding that side of the line, at least running to towards that side to begin with. But, uh, you yeah. know, they still were able to score 30 points. Brock Purdy was still able to look efficient much of the game. So I think there's reason for optimism. So, you know, those were the things that, like, we're, we're cautious about in this game. But, man, there is plenty to feel good about if you're a 49ers fan. So let's get into those matchups. And I'm glad, Lori, that you brought up, like, the zone defense and, you know, scheming things up because that's – we're going to talk about it right here so first Kyle Shanahan and going up against this Rams defense and the reason that I'm feeling good and I you know for the YouTube viewers we have uh the Rams defense up on the screen right now but the reason that I feel good about this matchup is because there's so much inexperience and there's a lot of young players outside of Aaron Donald really Rams as a whole are one of the three youngest teams in all of the NFL in 2023 the average age is 25.7 and yes that's even with with uh Stenson Bennett so and I I did the calculation uh so you guys wouldn't have to the average age of their defense their starting defense is 25.7 
Aaron Donald is the only one over 30 here. So you remove him, the average is 25.1, right? So uh, you get the point. A a number of first-year starters, a number of guys that haven't been in the league all that long. Um, And we know how silly Kyle Shanahan could have even experienced guys looking, right? So I'm kind of liking this matchup. And remember, Kyle is known for using defensive like fundamentals, everything you've ever learned about how to defend a certain look, a certain formation, and he can use those things against you to force guys into mistakes, put them out of position. So I'd be shocked if if Kyle's scheme at one point or another didn't fool one of these young Rams defenders, and I think that's going to open yeah. things up for other guys. And one of their starting corners, as you saw, was Witherspoon, and wasn't he on the 49ers? He was. He was. Yeah, man. And look at that rating. Horrible. 57.6. Yeah, he looks slow. Like I don't I don't remember him necessarily like that much on on the 49ers like his in terms of like weaknesses or strengths or anything like that. But watching him last week like it just seemed like, you know, anytime he had to go across the field, the tight end was like always open. So, um so just, you know, maybe they'll be looking for Kittle a lot this week. So they could be, but he, here's what I'm thinking, Lori. Like, I, I'm kind of thinking this is a Debo and Christian McCaffrey game. And, like, as I tweeted the other day, this, is, this will be the first time that the Rams see both, the, both Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey in the same game because in week eight last year, Debo Samuel was hurt. So that was kind of, uh, you know, CMC's – debut as it was his first full game uh with the 49ers and Debo has had some pretty big games against the Rams himself in the last two seasons he's averaged 100 130 yards and 1.3 touchdowns against the Rams and McCaffrey in week eight as I said went off he had 183 all-purpose yards in that week eight game against the Rams three touchdowns um, also, what I think benefits both of these guys, but probably especially Debo this week, is zone coverage that the Rams run. They ran zone 91.4% of the time last season, 89% in week one. The 49ers offense is going to see plenty of zone. And Debo, that's where Debo cooks, especially with He's the yards after the catch. Second best um, wide receiver against zone defense last year. All of last year out of all the, only behind Devontae Adams. This isn't this isn't like a fantasy uh, football podcast, but we're just saying like star Debo. If and you I want ten percent of that winnings, <laughs> by the way, so you can cash at me. You know. oh, okay, okay. So no, yeah. not you, but the everybody else that's watching, <laughs> everyone yeah. listening. You know, drop your cash app. Um, but Debo against zone coverages last season, he had a seventy-two point four percent target share, like. That's that's pretty crazy. So again, like I'm kind of very much expecting this to be a Debo heavy game, and that should be a good thing for the 49ers in this one. We didn't see too much of him uh, last week, although he did have, I think, like oh yeah, I or something like that. But a bit more. Yeah, Yuke. Yeah, that was a Yuke's game, but this is about to be a Debo game, so that's good. But let's talk about uh, Nick Bosa. And the Rams offensive line, okay? I think this is going to be 
a, a big matchup in this game. Deep, um, Debo, Bosa should be all the way back. No snap counts, no limitations. And the 49ers will welcome that because he has also been very productive against the Rams. Six and a half sacks, 32 pressures in his last five games against the Rams. And remember, there was a game where he had 14 pressures in one game against them. Um, and so he's going to be important as uh, will the entire defensive line if they hope to get pressure on Stafford and keep the ball out of the hands of Nakua and Atwell. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. This is I don't really know much about the Rams offensive line. Um, you know, just looking at like the what what you just talked about in terms of their their depth chart, they're young. You it's know, totally, so, it's totally revamped. It's a completely well, not completely, but for the most part, there's a lot of new guys on there. Oh wow! So that's uh, the Rams. Each time they play them, wow. Yeah, and then the one on top is uh, Week One. So you got Larrick Jackson, Steve Avila, who actually did pretty good. He didn't. He had a clean sheet against the Seahawks. He's a, he's the rookie. Um, Coleman Shelton. Haverstein so these, is the only guy that's been there. Yeah, Noteboom and Havenstein, the the only two guys, uh, they've moved Noteboom from tackle to guard. So, and both of those guys, I think the 49ers have kind of had their way with. So maybe they picked the wrong two guys to bring back. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it's maybe that's why, like, there isn't a lot of fami- familiarity with the Rams mm-hmm. offensive line because, you know, for the most part, it's a lot of new starters. Uh, But here's what I'll say about, you know, Nick Bosa and just this matchup. So Brandon Thorne, he's an offensive line, defensive line analyst. Guru. Yeah, guru. Yeah. And if you guys know EstablishTheRun.com, they're pretty much like a fantasy football, uh, daily fantasy sports, uh, you know, website. Really great resource. But anyway, Brandon Thorne puts together a – offensive line, defensive line, matchup ranking uh, every week. And this is what he had to say about this matchup in particular. He First of all, he has the 49ers defensive line ranked second in the league and the Rams offensive line ranked 28th. Here's what he had to say about the matchup. The 49ers defensive line ranked second in per- pressure percentage, first in QB hurry percentage, 16th in pass rush win rate, and ninth in sacks per pass attempt. The Rams offensive line ranks ranks 23rd in pass block win rate and second in pressure percentage given up. So this is a huge, huge uh, advantage to the 49ers defensive line here. Yeah, I mean, and that shouldn't give a lot of time for the wide receivers to get open. Like, you know, Tutu Atwell is going to need time to kind of to kind of juke anybody that's a that's at least in front of him. Like, yeah, he's quick on the breaks and everything. But, um, you know, if if the 49ers are playing zone, it's still going to take a second for that zone, that window to get open. So that gives more time for Nick to kind of get home. So, yeah, I wouldn't even be worried about the speed as much because honestly, the 49ers can just bracket him at the end of the day. And bracket is kind of like a double team. You know, first you have the player that's lined up in front of him. And then as soon as he makes his break, you have that second defender to kind of come down. And there's really not a lot of, uh, you know, offensive weapons on the Rams um, like right now to kind of make up for that. It's just, you know, the year this without Cooper Cup, it's like it's tough. 
So, you know, Puka's definitely stepped up, but he's no like Cooper Cup when it comes down to it. So, I mean, we'll see how that works out. And let's face it, the 49ers defensive line is not the same as the Seahawks defensive line nor exactly. their defense altogether. So, uh, yeah, I'm expecting that to be the difference in this game. And I will say, I think X factors for this game probably going to be Brock Purdy. And I'll even say, like, maybe Jake Moody because he hit all his kicks last week and he's also going to take over the uh, kickoffs which should be an upgrade over Wisnowski's kickoffs. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That just could be like a little underrated thing that maybe doesn't go noticed by a lot of people, but could make a difference in the, you know, field positioning and all that. Will he be or- tired though, when he's making the, those field goals, if he's doing the kickoff, you know, you know, I don't know. Man, all their job is to kick. All right. I, w- I would hope he's not tired. All right. This is this is why you get paid the big bucks to just go out there for a few like, seconds. And- like how bad of a shape would you have to be in order to be tired? Like after about the, the same shape that I'm in, probably <laughs> if I had a, if I had a guess. <laughs> Look, Lori, I know you got to get out of here. We we did go through all of our key matchups uh, in time. So I'll just say this one last thing before we head out of here. I think the key for this game for the 49ers is stop the run first and foremost. And that should not be hard because quite frankly, even though they ran the ball a ton against the Seahawks, they were not efficient on the ground at all. And so I think the 49ers defense should be able to stop the Rams run and Next, make Stafford uncomfortable. And with the 49ers defensive line going up against this Rams offensive line, I think that should be easy if they do both of those two things. I think the game will come to them, and they should be able to win this game pretty handedly. Yeah, uh, I think that the most important, like the key factor for the 49ers is jump out in front early because the Rams defense is a second-half team. Last week, they didn't allow a single point in the second half. And um, last year, I looked at their defensive um, stats per quarter, and they were like 22nd in the second quarter. And then in the third quarter, they were second in the league in terms of pass defense. So it's that first half is going to be crucial for the 49ers to jump ahead early. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited for this game. My score prediction, I think, was like – 30, 32, 34 to like 13. So I'm, I'm expecting a big game uh, for the 49ers. Lori, do you want to throw out a score prediction? Uh, you know, I'm going to go a little bit lower than that. Honestly, I'm okay. going to go um, uh, 17 to 14 because both these defenses wow. are really good. So um, yeah, it's okay. total right. opposite right. here. Uh, total opposite. But I think That's the 49ers a- come out on top. That's okay. We're probably maybe just a little blinded by our bias, but uh, hey, Lori, thank you so much for uh, joining me today. This was a fun show for all you guys that tuned in. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you have not yet. Audio listeners, make sure you rate the podcast if you have not yet. But for now, have a good rest of your Friday, folks. Peace.